I didn't think like when I first started doing these coffee dates, I was gonna use 77 of them. And I definitely was not doing market research. And I definitely was not doing this from a place of like, oh, these people owe me something. It was for me. I was, I was going out and creating it for myself. Welcome to She Leads First, a podcast for female entrepreneurs who are ready to build a brand that will become a revenue generating machine. Hey guys, I'm Emily Sincata, a brand and business strategist with years of experience in both marketing and online product development. Each week, myself and my guests are going to share our own experiences and knowledge with you so that you can figure out exactly what about your brand is going to keep people coming back for more. You'll leave this podcast equipped with the confidence to tackle those big goals that are going to scale the impact of your brand and your bank account. It's time for you to embody that CEO energy and start leading first. After all, you're building more than just a business. You are building a movement. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the show. I have such a good episode in store for you guys today. I have my very good friend, Aislinn Eileen, on the episode. She is a retired wedding photographer turned online coach for other wedding and event professionals before creating a successful coaching business. She was a wedding photographer for 13 years, and during that time, she has quite the accolade. She was published in Martha Stewart Weddings and Brides and flown all over the country for celebrations and to work with different high-profile individuals, but she has since pivoted out of her career in the wedding industry, and now she helps women who are still in it and those who have established businesses create more money online and master their mindset. She specializes in helping six and seven figure coaches who want to master the art of creating bingeable video and reels. And you guys, she is so good at it. Today, though, we are going to tap into the wealth of knowledge that she has from her time in the wedding industry all around creating a five star client experience. And we're going to have the conversations, the tough conversations around literally how to have the tough conversations when you need to with clients or with your coach, how to set boundaries, how to set expectations and make sure that when somebody's in your world, they're having that five-star customer experience that we want them to have so that they leave feeling so seen, so taken care of, and singing our praises. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this episode. It was such a good one. Let's dive in. All right. Hello, Aislinn. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on today. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I know that this is going to be a beautiful conversation for your audience, and I'm so excited to get into this. Oh my gosh, I am too. I feel like every conversation we've had about this podcast already has already been a podcast episode in and of itself. So I'm so excited that we are finally here and we are finally all mic'd up and ready to go. I feel the exact same way. I feel the exact same way. And I'm so excited for our audiences to get to experience what our conversations are like at that higher level. And I'm really excited for whatever wisdom nuggets are going to come out of today. Oh my gosh. And there's going to be plenty of them. Calling it right now. There's going to be plenty. (laughs) So for us to dive in, I always just like my audience to get to know you in a rapid fire way. So tell us first, where are you from? I am from a little town in the panhandle of Florida called Niceville, Florida. No way. I did not actually know you were from Florida because that's not where you are now, correct? Correct. I live in Colorado now. We moved here about a year ago because I, for whatever reason, was like, I'm done living in the South. Let's move to the mountains. Why not? 
I can't picture you in Florida, to be honest, in the in the heat, the humidity like that. You feel like more of a mountains girl to me. I love that you say that because I grew up in Florida. Most of my life was in Florida. And I look back at who I was as a human being in Florida and I'm like, yeah, that was a version of me. That yep. is not the current version of me. <laughs> I have the same experience looking back at who I was in Wisconsin. I'm like, oh, that was then. That was a different phase of life. It's funny how much like your environment really does impact the version of you that comes forward. Side note, have you ever seen astrocartography where they use your astrology to say where in the world you're most likely to find different types of yourself and like abundance over here, relationships over here, how they make a whole map of where you're supposed to be? Yes, I've done um, a reading and I was looking at it and I was like, none of these places are places I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had honestly a similar reaction. They were like, you're going to have the best life over on your, your, I think it's like your Pluto line or something, your green line over here. And I looked at it and I was like, that's the Midwest. And I swore I would never go back. So I don't know. <laughs> but you just moved into your dream house, did you not? I did. We moved into our dream house probably like four months ago now. It's been wild because we've been trying to build our dream house for about, I'd say, three years at this point. Um, we originally were trying to build it in a different state. And then when we moved to Colorado, we found an incredible builder and we just moved in um, over the holidays. That is so incredible. I have to say, you have been such an expander for me around that, just seeing you do it and seeing that it's possible. I think living in California, sometimes a little bit of like the negative real estate narrative rubs off on me of like, you're never going to be a homeowner. Like real estate's way too expensive. But seeing you do that and being not too far from me has been so incredible to watch. And I'm just, I'm so happy for you. And I hope that it is everything you guys dreamed of while you were designing it. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's interesting because I actually have a list back from 2020 when we first started to try to build our dream home. I have this list of things I wanted. And like when we were trying to build, we lived in Alabama at the time. When we were trying to build in Alabama, we kept just coming up against like all of these like just roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And I remember the one of the designers for the houses in Alabama was telling us like, well, we can't make this into an office. It has to be a dining room so that when you resell this in the future, somebody will actually buy it. And I was like, just give me an office. And now I'm living. Yeah, I'm like literally living in my dream home right now, like sitting in my dream office. And I'm like, yep, sometimes mm-hmm. we just have to be in different spaces. And sometimes we just have to be like, okay, universe is giving me a roadblock. I am no longer available for this. Beautiful redirection, probably very frustrating in the moment, but now you are where you are meant to be. So I love it. Okay, we have a really, really juicy conversation for everybody today that I can't wait to get into. It's all about client experience, customer experience, how to do it as the coach, how to do it as the client to make sure that our relationships and our boundaries are really healthy. But before we dive into this, I would love to dig into your entrepreneurial path a little bit because I know you've been an entrepreneur for a very long time, much more than you would think for somebody your age. Give everybody who's listening, let's back it up to the beginning. How long have you been an entrepreneur? Where did you start? Give me like the high level overview of your journey thus far that's brought you to this business at this space in time. Yeah. So I have been an entrepreneur for 14 years. And in case you're listening to my voice and you're like trying to like parse out how old I actually am, I'm 30 years old. So that means that most of my life I have been an entrepreneur. I started my first business when I was 16 years old. I started a photography business 
And I remember sitting on my mom's desk because as a 16 year old, that's just what you do is you sit in places you're not supposed to sit, like on kitchen counters and on desk and whatnot. (laughs) And I remember sitting on her desk and we were trying to figure out the name for my company. And it was just like one of those surreal moments of like, am I actually going to do this? But I had so many people at the time who were like my high school friends asking me to take their senior portraits because they had seen me take some photos. And this was like in the baby years of Facebook. Instagram was not, I don't even think Instagram was a thing at this point. But I remember like being like, I don't know if I want to be an entrepreneur, but I do want to take photos of people because I love my friends and I want to be around my friends and I want to do something that feels useful to me. So that just snowballed for the next, you know, 12 years uh, into a wedding photography business. And as a wedding photographer, I was a luxury wedding photographer for 13 years. And as a wedding photographer, I was published in Martha Stewart Weddings. I was published in Brides. I was published in Southern Weddings before it went out of business. I got to travel literally all over the country to photograph incredible, incredible weddings and events. And it's so cool to be 30 and have retired from my first career because now I get to do whatever I want to do. And I have all of this experience and I have all of these connections and relationships and just a huge understanding of the human psyche because I've been around people in a service-based business for so long that I get to take into this next season where I'm building something really beautiful. I'm building an intuitive business coaching business that helps other women in the wedding industry love their businesses more, revolutionize their mindset, and really just make something beautiful, you know? Oh, yes. I love that. And how crazy to be able to say that you've retired already, like you said, from your first career at just in your 30s, like in your young 30s at that. That is incredible. I want to ask, going back to when you were starting out, you're saying you're 15, 16 years old, you're sitting on your mom's desk, figuring out the name for your company. That instantly dropped me back into the feeling of being young and being like, you don't know what you don't know. So you're almost a little bit fearless. And I'm curious if you felt that getting started in entrepreneurship at such a young age. Do you think you had that little bit of fearlessness that made it easier maybe to get started? Or do you think that it was everything was even scarier and even more unknown? What was the experience like at that young age starting to charge people for your services? Like, I just can't. Imagine my 16-year-old version even having the forethought to realize that that was something I could do. What was it like in those early days? Yeah, well, I think we can hold space for the duality. It was terrifying. Mm. It was absolutely (laughs) terrifying. But also at the same time, I was so delusional and fearless because at 16, I was like, I was one of those like really nerdy kids that like sat in the hallway and like had my nose in a book and like headphones on. So like I was pretty delusional to like start with, like as far as like, I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I need to do. And I think part of that comes from some of the different like after school activities that I did, but also like some of the transitions I made in high school. I started out in a public high school. And then at like my sophomore year, I decided I didn't want to be a number anymore. And I wanted to be like doing something more purposeful. And so I applied to be part of a private school that you got your associate's degree at the same time as you went to high school. And so I was already doing things that made me feel kind of powerful and fearless. So starting to charge people for photography, I knew I was talented because I had people telling me I was talented and people don't tell 16 year olds they're talented (laughs) unless they actually are at least like decent. 
And so I was like, sure, I'll charge you $30 for an hour long session. You get a CD of all your images. Like, of course I'll do that. I think the, the true part that kind of felt like really terrifying was when I first started doing weddings and I was charging people for weddings because at that point I was like, oh, you don't get a do-over on this. Like there, there is no do-overs on weddings. So for me, I think that was kind of the more pivotal moment was when I was 17 and I started booking my first weddings and started to like get into that world and started to realize like, oh, cool, I'm talented, but now what? Like I have to actually like make a client experience, even though I didn't know that's what I was trying to do at the time. So interesting. Did you have a mentor guiding you at all on this journey or was it just one of those cases of kind of failing your way forward, right? Like just making mistakes and flailing maybe is a better word forward. Yeah. I mean, I had many mentors over the years. Um, In those very first years, like 16, 17, 18, I don't remember having like a specific mentor, but I do remember when I was getting into weddings, I had several people that I like did like unpaid internships with. So like I reached out to them and I was like, hey, if you need a bag lady, on your wedding day, I will come carry all of your bags. I will not complain. I won't take any photos. I'll just be there absorbing the information. And I remember at the time I didn't even have a car. So my parents would have to drive me to these weddings where I was getting paid, like I kid you not, like $50 for eight hours of work. And all I wanted to do was absorb everything I could possibly absorb about these people who were doing what I wanted to do. That like hunger to just be in the room, I think is such a hallmark of an entrepreneur that's going to make it. Like that willingness of like, I don't care if I get paid for this or not. I just want to be in here and I just want to be a little sponge and I just want to absorb exactly what you just said. I feel like that is the telltale sign of somebody who's going to make it. So it's no surprise to me that your photography business boomed and you were able to retire from it. And now you are here in the coaching space today. So Take me through that jump because I know that there's a lot of people in my audience and that there's a lot of just entrepreneurs in general who are going to face a moment where they want to make a pivot. They want to, they realize maybe their heart is calling them to do something a little bit different than they've been doing thus far, even if what they're doing thus far is working and it's great. What did that transition look like for you? When did you know that you wanted to start moving into coaching and moving out of the wedding industry? I think it's really important to when you're thinking about pivoting, nothing has to be wrong in order for you to make a pivot. You do not have to be like failing at business in order to pivot into fitness coaching. You do not have to be having like literally the worst clients in the world in order to raise your prices so you can get better clients. Like when you're making those pivots, I just want you to see that you can do it just because you want to, just because you have that deep desire of, I want to do something different. And even if people are telling you like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're so talented. Why would you do that? And that was, that was much of the narrative I got from the wedding industry when I started to pivot into coaching is, well, how could you, how could you possibly want to do anything other than the weddings? Like you're so talented. Like you've been published in Martha, like you, you know, are charging 15 to 17 K per wedding. Like why, why would you possibly want to get out of it? And it, for me, it wasn't this space of, right like, I don't like my clients or I don't like the weddings I'm doing or anything like that. It was more the space of I'm feeling called to do something bigger than what I've ever done before. And I have literally no idea what that's going to look like, but I have got to follow my heart because I just keep showing up and it's not fair to my clients if I'm not showing up fully to their weddings. So kind of looking at like the timeline of this back in 2020, 2020 was 
the wild, wild west for everyone, but it was specifically the wild, wild west for the wedding industry and event industry. So in 2020, most of the wedding industry was not able to do a lot of the networking that we normally would do. Like we would have like at least one or two events a month that we would go to to network with other wedding vendors. And during 2020, you couldn't be in the same room as someone. Like we were all in lockdown at that point. Um, I lived in Alabama at that time. So some weddings were still happening on a very, very small scale. Uh, The rest of the country, like that was not happening. So during that time, a lot of my wedding industry friends were saying things like, I'm really lonely and I'm struggling with my mindset and I'm really struggling with not being around other people and I just don't know what to do. And so being who I am and I love connecting people, I was like, let's do, you know, virtual cocktail hours and let's do coffee dates and let's do all these different things to like bring that connection back. So during the year of 2020, I did 77 free coffee dates with other wedding professionals in the industry. And what was so interesting about these coffee dates is it would just be me me and like one other person. And we would just be talking about life and business and, you know, mindset and all these different things. And during these coffee dates, people would tell me afterwards that they felt like it was like therapy to them. They just felt like this like breath of fresh air because I don't know if you remember this, but back in 2020, the news was like nonstop and like just so, so hard to input, especially if you're a sensitive person, it was really hard to input for me. And so I, in a lot of places was kind of like this beacon of positivity and light and not in like a toxic toxic positivity way, but more in this space of like, I'm going to be there to hold the grounded energy for the people who are flailing and like their ship is sinking. So during 2020, I just noticed so many different people during the coffee dates, they would like go raise their prices and they would immediately go book someone or they would change their contract. And all of a sudden, like their problems would be like solved as far as like some of the clients they were dealing with. Or they would tell me like, oh, I didn't even know that I could do X, Y, Z. And I'd be like, yes, you can go do X, Y, Z. And so what I started to like feel like was like, well, I should probably get paid for this. <laughs> like, like, if people are literally making money off of these free coffee dates, like I should probably get paid for this. So that's when I really started to recognize that I might be wanting something bigger than what I had wanted in the past. And I started to kind of like get more into like, huh, maybe I can coach people. And like, maybe I might be good at that. And like, that'd be kind of cool, I guess. I don't know. Like, let's see where it goes. And so in 2021, I uh, hired my very first coach around coaching. I'd hired other coaches for photography things, but this was my first coach for having a course or having a coaching offer. And it was a mastermind style coach. And before that point, I had tried to like launch some coaching things, but it just like tanked. It was so bad. <laughs> We've like, all been there. I had yeah. no idea what I was doing. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> but after uh, working with this coach and this mastermind, I was able to build out my first 90-day one-on-one program. And it was so cool because that 90-day one-on-one program really transformed the lives of the clients that I had go through that program. And I was like, huh, do I still want to do weddings? Like, is that a thing? Like, and it wasn't like I had had bad clients during this time. Like I had a lot of really great clients. I had some difficult situations, but I had a lot of really great clients this time. So 
at the time, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to um, go into coaching and keep my wedding business. And in 2021, I was like pretty set, like, I'll, I'll keep my wedding business and I'll do coaching as well. And what was so interesting was that was the season where we decided to move to Colorado across the country. So I was going to have to move my business anyway. And so when I got out to Colorado in 2022, I was like, well, I think I'm done with weddings. I think, I think I've hit I've, I've hit every accolade I ever wanted. I've been published in Martha. I've been published in Brides. I like have been paid a lot of money. I've done $1.5 million weddings. Like, I think I'm done. Like, I think like we've peaked. How did that feel? Was that a hard decision to come to and admit to yourself or was it like a closing of a chapter? You know, what was so interesting was that it was actually harder for me to admit it to myself from the perspective of admitting it to other people. I was at peace with it, but I kept going over and over and over in my mind around like, well, what's my mom going to say? What's my wedding industry friends going to say? Like, what are my people who have hired me 14 years ago? What are they going to say? And I think that was the harder part was like, I didn't want to disappoint anyone. And I realized pretty quickly that like, I can't keep disappointing myself. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How funny is it that that is so often our initial reaction is like, but what's this going to do to other people when it's a decision that so deeply only impacts us, but we don't want to let down false like perceptions that maybe not necessarily false, but that we've created that we think other people are thinking of us. It's like this weird loop of like, I think someone else is thinking this, so I'm going to react to what I think that they're thinking when it's like, no, what do, what do I want? This is my life. Like I'm in the driver's seat here. There's something that you said that I want to tease out a little bit because I think that there's something really important in here around you said at one point you just, you knew you had a calling for more. You were like, I, I know that there's something more that I want to do, but I don't really have words for it yet. And then that led you into doing these free coffee dates, 77 free coffee dates in a span of however many months. I don't remember how many you said. But when you you vocalized that, my first thought was, did she have any incentive to monetize these? Yeah, I see you shaking your head. The answer is no. And what I want to ask and kind of like bring to the forefront here is, in your mind, do you feel that those were connected, like having a calling for more? not knowing what that means, and then stepping into something that most people wouldn't think to do, what was the motivation to get into those? And if you can kind of see what I'm trying to paint here, it feels like that was the energetic bridge of like you asking for more. We know I love the energy of things and like the universe, but like you putting out into the universe, I know I want more, but not knowing what it is, following a nudge, and then that is what led you to more. Speak on that a little bit. Am I pain? Am I crazy here, or is there something there? No, not at all. So I want you guys to think about what 2021 felt like for you. Just pausing for a second, like dig back into that energy of 2021. We had just gone through a year of really hard times for so many different people for so many different reasons. There was a lot of isolation. There was a lot of like negativity. It was a very very hard time. So in 2021. I hit this point where all I wanted was clarity. I wanted peace. I wanted connection. I wanted to feel joy and play again. Hmm. And so for me, it wasn't like I wasn't doing market research. I wasn't doing this for the money. I wasn't doing this so that people would refer me in the wedding industry. All I wanted was feelings. 
And so sometimes like when we are like, I don't like, I know I want something bigger, but I don't know how to get it. Mm -hmm. I want you to think about the feelings that you're craving. So for me, like I was really craving connection and I was like, okay, I'm like one of the best connectors out there. Why would I not ask people to connect with me? We're all just sitting at home anyway. And if we're not sitting at home, we're dealing with like reschedules we all just need a place to be connected and a place to just maybe possibly feel a little bit lighter and like feel that breath of fresh air vibe. And so for me, I didn't think like when I first started doing these coffee dates, I was going to use 77 of them. And I definitely was not doing market research. And I definitely was not doing this from a place of like, oh, these people owe me something. Right. It was for me. I was I was going out and creating it for myself. Mm. Boom. Like I, that is, that's the key. I want to reiterate that just so that this lands for people. It was like you had that calling for more. And I think so many people can identify with that, but then they get stuck there because they want the answer to come first. They want the answer to come first of like, well, what's it going to be before I go take action on it? But you said, no, no, no. What is the feeling that I'm craving and how can I go create that for myself now? And in taking that aligned action, the path presented itself to you. It was then that nudge of like, oh, coaching is here. I could do this. Yeah. Like follow the glimmers, follow the nudges, follow the things that light you up, even if they make literally no sense at all. Yeah. And sometimes they don't. (laughs) Sometimes they really don't. And then it just leads you into the most beautiful journey. So you are here now in the coaching space and I love it. Do you have any advice for anybody beyond follow the glimmer? Is there anything that we want to add to this conversation that we didn't cover already of if you are thinking of making the jump out of one industry and into the into another, especially a lot of people do make the jump from done for you in-person service providing to some sort of online information sharing space. Is there any final nuggets around the jump, the pivot that you would like to share with people? Yeah, I think I want to talk to you guys a little bit about safety uh, Mm. because that was something that I had created for myself so that the jump felt safe. I didn't need to know like exactly what was going to happen and I didn't need to have it planned out like 18 months in advance. Like I just needed to know that I was safe enough to do what I wanted to do and follow those glimmers and whatnot. So I want to reiterate that yeah, I still had my photography income coming in. I still had album sales coming in. I had product sales. I had weddings. I had portraits. I had a lot of income still coming in from my wedding business while I was building the first stages of my coaching business. The very last wedding I did where I was like a second shooter, which means I was an assistant to another photographer, was October of 2022. That was last year. Hmm. My very last wedding was in July of last year, but I second shot for other people. So during that time, I had this safety of other income coming in while I was making a pivot into a different career. So I didn't just jump and be like, oh, the universe has got me. This is going to be great, guys. I, I had a safety net and I had I also have a husband who makes income as well. So I had the safety net of my husband as well. So I don't want you guys to think like, okay. Tomorrow, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to start an online course. You do not have to do that unless it feels like safe to you and you've figured out like how that's going to work strategically. But I do want you to see that things can change so, so quickly for you. But you also have to have the safety in place in order for you to like psyche wise actually be able to make those jumps. 
Right. I would agree with that so wholeheartedly. And just you have to have something in place that feels like your safety net, even if it's just like your last resort backup plan of like, okay, if everything fails, I know I can go do this and I'm going to be okay. That seems to just make it so much easier to make the leap. And and for me, I didn't pivot from one version of entrepreneurship to the next. I pivoted out of a nine to five. I'm more of a leaper. Like I'm, I'm more of like a, I'll figure it out later. I just want to make the big expansive jump. But I will say, even from my perspective, like if you look at it on paper, I quit my job very abruptly, but I had been mentally planning it for the six months prior. And I had plenty of money in savings that I knew I could fall back on for a few months if I needed to. And that was my safety net. And so I'm so grateful that you bring that forward because I think if you just look at somebody's experience from the outside, it can be like, well, they just they just went for it and it worked. And it's like, yes, do the big things, but safety is so important for us to have. Yeah. And if you looked at like my pivot from like, if you if you looked at the past couple of years, you'd be like, wow, she moved across country. She retired from her first career. And now she is an intuitive business coach and has like a signature program and high ticket, like high ticket coaching. That was really quick. And if you look at it from my perspective, I'm like, this was the slowest timeline ever. <laughs> like We are in the best timeline, but it is a slow timeline. <laughs> Yes, it's always different than it looks from the outside, which is such a good reminder. Okay, I want to pivot this conversation a little bit into customer experience because I know from working in the wedding industry, you must have learned many, 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 many lessons about how to take care of your clients. It's potentially the most stressful day of somebody's life or could be if things go wrong. And I can only imagine that you learned so much and have such a beautiful skill set of making people feel safe in your containers to bring it back to safety, but also just really making them feel taken care of. And so I would love for us to open up a conversation around customer experience and client experience in our world, both from the perspective of the client and of the perspective of the coach. And so how I'd like to kind of open this up a little bit here is first just thinking, what did you take so tangibly from the experience of working in the photography business over into your coaching business? Are there parallels you see or things that you learn from, okay, here's what's really important about the client experience that you use every day now in your coaching? Yeah, absolutely. So keeping in mind, I had 14 years of experience in the wedding industry. I created a lot of systems over those years. And of course, those systems evolved over time. But the kind of staples of those systems where I had workflows, I had contracts, I had accountability slash check-ins. And then I also made sure that my expectations were vocalized to my clients multiple times and boundaries were vocalized multiple times, but also making sure that they felt safe to bring stuff to me. So if they were like having a hard time with something, I wanted them to feel safe enough to be able to bring that conversation to me, but I didn't want them texting me at midnight seven times a week. Right. Like that was not ever going to be okay. So I think when we're thinking about how to take this into the coaching industry or the done for you service industry, I want you guys to think about how can I create a more intentional client experience that does all of those things. And I think the the mistake I see happen so often, and I fell into this as well, is when you first get into the coaching industry, you see these coaches who are doing like one program every single month. And you're like, oh, okay, that's what I have to do. And I have to do a masterclass every month. And I have to have 
high ticket coaching. And I also have to have, you know, like a free Facebook group and all these different things. Mm -hmm. And when we don't think intentionally about what we are creating for our client experience, it gets really messy on our side and it gets messy on the client side. So instead of being like, all right, every single month I have to do a new program and I have to create a new thing and all these different things. I want you to start thinking about like, how can I master one thing and get really good at it over and over and over and over again, and then start adding those extra layers Yeah, such a good point because one, it is really easy to look outward at what other people are doing and feel like you need to do all the things at once. But two, you you can jump in and do all the things, but the better question is, are you doing all those things well? And how do people feel when they're inside of those experiences with you? And is it leaving the impact that you want to create? So I'm glad that you opened it up with that. Something that I I think is an interesting conversation as well in this mix is a lot of times when we jump into, well, really any type of entrepreneurship, we're like, I'm good at my skill. And we work on honing our skill and that's where all the focus is. But we forget that there is more to it than just the skill, right? Like you could be the best photographer in the world, for example, but if your clients can't get a hold of you or if your boundaries are messy or if you don't have good delivery times or people don't know what the delivery times are, like it doesn't really matter how good the photos are at the end of the day if people are walking away with a bad client experience. And so if we think of this in more of the coaching and the online space, something I would ask to you is what do those systems look like? Or even what do those boundaries look like? I think there's different ways that we can approach this conversation that maybe aren't obvious when you get started, but are so important for us to have in place to make sure that our customers do walk away with a positive experience beyond just what we're actually delivering. Because a lot of times it's the how that makes the impact more so than the what that you're actually giving. Yeah. So I noticed in the wedding industry, a lot of people would say that you need to under promise and over deliver. And I, that started to give me the ick after a while. And here's why I would rather the client know exactly what they're getting from me, exactly when they're getting it from me, know my exact boundaries. And I know their expectations and we be on the same page, the entire client experience, than them expecting for me to under promise over deliver. So I think the same can be applied into the coaching industry. Are you setting clear boundaries? Are you reiterating those boundaries in multiple spaces? Are you like even doing like any kind of intentional, like setting um, intentions at the beginning of a container together? Are you having an onboarding system? Are you having an offboarding system? Are you actually creating experiences for your clients that feel like a full experience and not like a Frankenstein version of somebody else's experience. So I think when we talk about client experience, we have to take it from the perspective of the client. Because I think a lot of times in the coaching industry, there's this kind of like celebrity archetype vibe of like my way or the highway. It's my boundaries, my container. It's, you know, I'm the only one who it matters here, like what I think and like what's going on in this container. And you're, you know, I just know that you're going to be okay with it because I'm okay with it. Right. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) That does not create safety in your containers for your clients. Yeah, there's something in there that's really important around boundaries aren't just for you. Boundaries are also for your clients to succeed. And that's why we want to implement them. And we want to implement them with love. We don't want to implement them as, like you said, my way or the highway. 
I would love to make this really tangible for people, for somebody who's like, oh my God, I've never thought about this before in my containers. Like I thought I just showed up to the coaching call. Like I thought that was it. So what can we think of? Like, can you give some tangible examples of some boundaries that you love? And, and again, boundaries are personal. So if you're listening, you don't have to adopt any examples that we give today. Like what feels good for you is often what's going to work best in your container. But what are some tangible examples of boundaries that we might think of implementing in a coaching container? And do you have any advice on how and when we start to articulate these to our clients? Like at what stage should these be made clear? Ooh, this one is good. Um, As far as boundaries go, I think for me, one of the bigger boundaries is telling people like when I'm actually going to be in Voxer or Slack, like whatever you're using, I think, and, and making sure that if there's ever any change to that throughout the container and you have clients who are in there for a long time and it changes from when they first start to when they're like, you know, later on you decide to change like, oh, I'm only in here on Mondays or whatever it is. Being very, very specific and taking them along the journey of your boundaries shifting and here's why. And, and, and here's why as the client, if you have something that you need to talk about with this, let's have a conversation around this because I want to make sure this container feels good for you and it feels good for me. It's not just here's a boundary, suck it up. It's here's a boundary. Here's why I'm doing it. If you need to open up a conversation, let's have that conversation. I think that's the first thing like is like setting boundaries often and early, early and often. Um, So when I was a wedding photographer, like we had very clear boundaries that like we talked about in literally the consultation call. That was like the first time people like knew very specifically like, hey, like you can't text me at midnight. Like I will not answer. Also, why are you texting me? Email me. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's like, it's important like as coaches and service providers to not only have boundaries, but understand why we have boundaries. So like I used to, in the wedding industry, I used to let my clients text me. Over time, I shifted that into, please email me. I'll get back to you during office hours. The reason I do that, and I explain this to my clients, the reason I want you to email me is that so that I can give you my full attention and so that I can get back to you in a timely manner. And we have a paper trail of this so that, you know, if ADHD brain like kicks in, like one of us at least has like a memory of this. (laughs) And it also serves you as the client so that we're both really clear on our expectations. That is so good. And that I'm glad you brought that example forward because that's exactly what my brain was just going to of such an easy boundary, but so important is to get people off of your personal texting number. It's It can be great for getting started. That's what I did too back when I was a personal trainer. I let people text me, but it also invited in a lot of problems because also what if you're not available to answer the moment a text comes in? Then it's like, are you going to leave a client on red? Are you going to let them think that you're ignoring them? If maybe you're just not available or it's not working hours, it also creates this resentment in you. But like you said, there's a reason for getting somebody off of that other than just, this is what I want, right? It creates expectations. And then you get a chance to outline, okay, well, what is my response time? When will I be available? And how many hours am I giving myself to get back to you? And then your clients know. And then it's not the expectation of like, oh, I'm texting you like I'm texting a friend. It makes it better for everybody involved. So I think right now, if you're listening and you're like, "Uh oh, I've got people on my personal texting line, this could be a really easy thing for you to implement and to clean up. Yeah. Um, And I, I will say with this too, you need to be thinking about this intentionally, but you also need to be marketing this intentionally. If you are a very flowy coach and you only get into Voxer once a day, you only check Voxer once a day. I love it for you. 
you had better be marketing whatever that container is in that way. Because if you are marketing it, like I'm going to be in your back pocket all the time and I'm so excited, like I'm going to help you with strategy and we're going to be in Voxer together, but you're only in there once a day, that client is going to feel like betrayed or betrayal or whatever once they actually get into the container. So not only are we like thinking about like how to create intentional client experiences, that also needs to translate into the way we are marketing our containers. Yes. So much of, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this too. It feels like so much of creating a intentional, well thought out and positive customer experience is creating very transparent expectations around what's going to happen and when inside of your containers and what it's going to look like and making sure that there's an alignment between how you present it and how it actually is on the inside. It almost just feels like transparency and clarity is what's so important when it comes to your marketing. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I also want to you know, validate that like people are going to change over time. So you might be a very flowy coach right now. And in the future, you're like, actually, I kind of want structure and I want to be more structured and more plugged into my clients. You get to change over time. Just make sure that your marketing is changing and make sure your intentions around the client experience are changing. And as you do that, bring your clients along the journey. I literally just relaunched, or I'm about to relaunch my signature program, and I've restructured some of the pieces behind the scenes to add in more, uh, more support and like just like more structure to it because I'm craving more structure, mm. and I know that my clients will benefit from it because they're very structure oriented people as well. So I'm taking them along the journey as I'm relaunching it and telling them this is why I'm doing this. And here's how you can use this in your own business if you ever go through a similar transition. Yeah, let's dig into this idea a little bit more. So I think it's one thing to have that conversation with clients when you're changing a boundary or a structure in their favor. That's always a fun conversation to have up here. There's more that maybe you didn't expect when you joined. But sometimes when we have containers that are running, especially longer term things, we just realize that something's not working the way we originally set it up because of any various thing that could have happened. Maybe something shifted in your personal life. Maybe you just realized the structure wasn't as good as it could be later on. So let's say we have to set a new boundary during a container that isn't a change in contract. It's it's within your right to be able to change, but it might feel a little bit like you're taking something away from the client. How would you recommend approaching that conversation? Would you do it over text? Would you do it over a phone call? Would it be an email? And how do we make our clients feel like they are, like you're saying, on this journey with us and we're not just blindsiding them with, here's a change, you get less now? Yeah. So I think the first question to ask yourself is, why does it feel like you're giving them less? Mm. And yeah. why are you giving them less? Like, what's the, what's the reason behind it? Because I think it's really important to know the intention and the reason behind it. I think that's the first thing. And I think the second thing is actually like breadcrumbing it. So like you asked, like, should you do it through a text or should you do it like on video or whatever? I think you should breadcrumb it. So like, let's just say it's a Voxer container, like a mastermind or something. And you guys have both calls and you have Voxer. So what I would do as a coach is I would come in and I would say, you know, on a Monday, I'd be like, hey guys, I'm really excited. I'm doing some restructuring of my containers. I have some things that are coming up for me right now that make it important for me to make shifts. And I know these shifts are going to benefit you. I'm going to drop the information on our next call so that we get to have a conversation around it. And then if you have any extra questions or need any extra clarification, I'll be in Voxer after our call so that we can talk about it together. So not only are you going to talk to them 
about it on the call, you are not blindsiding them on that call. You are giving them breadcrumbs along the way so that they can get excited that something's shifting and something's changing and they can start to understand the why of something shifting and changing instead of it just being like on a call like, hey, I'm only going to be in Voxer once a week now. And I know you guys paid $10,000 a month to be in here, but um, I just don't want to do it anymore. And I know you guys are going to be okay with that. Right. Imagine what the client's going to feel. Imagine. (laughs) Just imagine. I think why this comes up is it's more so a narrative around boundaries in general, like how they're talked about, is we think of them as this self-serving, like you've crossed a line, like the other person has crossed a line. And so it's almost like we have this preconceived notions that boundaries are all about us. But really, the beauty in what you're saying is like, no, it's for the client's benefit and you need to drop back into that energy and explain it to them in that way because that should be the intent behind why a boundary is being set is it's going to work better for everyone involved. So I really like the shift and I think we can all walk away with this skill of or this intention of it's not about me. (laughs) I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for the betterment of the container and taking that perspective I'm literally going through this right now. So it's so cool that we're having this conversation because I took my 12 month. So I had a signature program that originally was three months. I turned it into 12 months. Somebody signed up for it to be 12 months. And now I'm turning it back into four months because I realized the structure of it was better for the clients and the transformation was better if it was only four months. I didn't go into Voxer and tell those clients like, oh, sorry, I know you paid for 12 months, but now it's only four What I did was I let them know, hey, there are some shifts and changes coming. I'm going to let you guys know the details, but you're going to see me talk about it publicly. I'm also going to have a conversation with you really soon about what this looks like. I'm just finalizing the back end before I bring it to you. And then I brought it to them and I was like, you are going to be so excited because you're getting extra support. It's going to be really amazing. New people are going to be coming in and nothing changes for you. Hmm. You get all this extra new support and you're still going to be in here for 12 months. Imagine what the client felt. They were so freaking excited because like, yeah, I made a huge shift and the boundaries are shifting, but also they got something really cool out of it and they got to watch me go through that. So I think taking your clients through your thinking really helps them to A, humanize you, but also B, understand why these shifts are occurring. There's something in here too that's coming forward of you can explain to people why, And you can bring people along the journey with you without looking weak. I think that's a fear is that people are going to come back and be like, well, what are you doing? Like, how dare you? What is this? And without feeling like you are justifying or over explaining, because that all starts to move away when you're like, no, I really am doing this for the benefit of everybody in this container. I think people are afraid sometimes to go into like the conversation of here's why. And if you have any questions, I'm willing to answer because we go into defense mode of like, but it's my business. I get to make the decisions. But I think we got to go a little deeper and be like, well, where is that coming from? That feeling of defiance? Are you feeling like you're doing something wrong? Because if you are, then all we need to do is drop in and and reevaluate why is this changing? Why do I want to make this shift in the first place? Because we might be stepping out of service again and going into self-serving and self-preservation when that can be a part of it. Like that can be why a boundary is coming up is you're like, something's not working for me. Like, oh, oh my gosh, my energy's not working. I can't show up well. But what does that mean, right? Like even right there, the end of that is I'm not showing up well for my clients. And so just getting ourselves back into that energy of service, I think can make communicating the boundary feel a little bit easier. 
It's still scary though. The reason I'm so good at this is I have, you know, 13, 14 years in the wedding industry. Like I can't tell you how many times somebody would book me and then their wedding was like literally 18 months to two years later. So like, can you imagine how much my business changed in that time? Of course I had to take them along the ride and I had to take them along the journey and be like, hey, surprise, we don't do that anymore, but I'm going to honor it for you. Or surprise, we don't do that anymore. Let's have a conversation about how we can make this work together so that you are getting your expectations met and I am honoring my own boundaries. And I think that piece of being open to discuss it is really important too, to just making the the client feel seen and feel heard is creating some space where, okay, if the, if something does come up for you in reaction to this, I'm open to, t- to having a dialogue about it because I want you to feel good about this too. And sometimes we forget to just add that little bit in there of just create an opportunity for somebody to bring up questions if there are any so that you can answer them and make sure that your client feels really good about the decision as well. Yeah. And I want to like just kind of put this out there that like if you are having to have this hard conversation with a client and you're feeling like, I don't want to have a conversation. I don't want to talk like this is scary. Like they're going to like not like me as a person and that's coming up for you. I want you to ground yourself before you go into that conversation and set your intention of what you want that conversation to look like, but also what you want to get out of that conversation. And I think one of the best things I ever learned, like over, maybe not the best thing, (laughs) that was quite the stupid. One of the good ones. (laughs) One of the good things that I've learned over the years is that people respond so much better when you roadmap a conversation. Mm. So I did this in consultations. I do this in in conversations all the time with my clients where we roadmap it, where I say, you know, I want to talk to you about this specific topic. I'm really excited to bring this to you, but I also know that there's going to be questions that might come up. So I want to start out by telling you, this is what we're going to talk about. And then at the end, if you have any questions, we can go into a conversation from there. That is such a good piece of advice. Imagine what your client would feel like if you did that. (laughs) Like, you know what's coming before it's coming. And you like, you already yeah. answered the questions in the back of the mind and, and calm down any fears that are coming up. It's like, don't worry, we're going to be okay at the end of this conversation. Here's yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, I love absolutely. that. Such a good practical tip, which leads me right into kind of the last thing I want to close this with, but it is also a big conversation here is being on the other side of this experience because we all have businesses, but we also oftentimes find ourselves in the position of the client, whether we're working with you know another service provider or whether we have a coach ourselves. And let's say you are the one who the new boundary is being placed on and it does not sit well with you. And you do have those questions that you want to bring up. And sometimes even when the service provider has said, hey, I know this is changing. If you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. Sometimes we still don't feel ready. Like sometimes we're still like, oh, but I don't want to disappoint them, especially if you have Mm -hmm. that relationship with your coach where you're like, I love them so much and I'm sure that they're doing this for a good reason, but it just doesn't feel right, but I'm afraid to bring it up. What advice do you have for us if we are in the client position and we have to have a difficult conversation with our coach around, hey, something here isn't working for me, whether they've set a new boundary or whether our expectations haven't been met on what we thought the boundaries and the structures were going to be once we find ourselves in a container. What advice do you have for us around bridging and having those conversations as the client? Oh my gosh, I'm literally turning red right now because (laughs) I've had to have these conversations and they never, I don't want to be like, 
you know, you can't have these conversations. They're really hard to have. They don't get easier per se, but Mm. over time, like as you work with more people and like you are in more human experiences and interactions, you will start to recognize that the person across the table from you is doing the best they can with the tools that they have. Yes. They are just doing the best they can with the tools that they have. And you are doing the best you can with the tools you have. So being able to have these hard conversations is a new tool and a new skill set that you get to put in your handy little, you know, like mindset toolkit thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's something that is going to really help you over time when you don't feel your expectations are being met. So the first thing I want to say around this is like, let's say you are in a client um, coach relationship and it's not like a mastermind. Maybe it's like a, a one-on-one coaching situation and you are feeling like not happy. Like you're just like, I, I just don't feel like I'm getting what I expected out of this. The first thing you need to figure out is what was the initial expectation that like is being kind of breached and how are you showing up on your side? So are you like not showing up fully and you're expecting the coach to show up fully, but you're not even plugging in? Or is it something like, you know, time zones? Time zones can be really hard in the coaching industry because we work literally all over the world. So is it something where like there's actually just a conversation that needs to be had around repairing this essentially? Or is there a conversation that needs to be had around maybe exiting, you know, the relationship and there nothing has to be wrong for you to exit the relationship. It can literally be like, Hey, like when we first started, our expectations were aligned, but as you've grown and I've grown, somehow there's like disalignment. And I don't think that we can repair this. So here's the options that are available. Absolutely. I, and sometimes it, it does happen. I mean, I'm having flashbacks right now to uh, in the recent past, I had to, I found myself in one of these situations and I had to request a refund. And just like you said, I was like, oh, it didn't get, it wasn't easier, even though I've had these tough conversations before. But something that really stood out that I reflecting on my experience of like, oh, that really saved me is exactly what you said of having compassion for the person on the other side of the screen. I really had to check my emotions for a second because my initial reaction was to get mad. Like you've you've broken the contract essentially. Like these things aren't being delivered on the timeline that you said they would. We've had multiple conversations about it and it's still not here. Oof. Like I was like ready to be mad. I was on the defense, but I made myself take a, a beat, like take a break. I had typed out an email that was kind of angry, like kind of emotional. <laughs> and I was like, Emily, let's take a second, walk away from this, come back to this later with fresh eyes when you don't feel emotional about it. And so I did. And I wrote a completely different email. And it was very kind and very understanding. And I just laid out like, here's the facts. Here's what my expectations were based on our contract. Here's what's been happening. Because of this, I believe it's fair for X, Y, and Z sent. And they came back with a very kind response and was basically like, you're right. Yes. And they did end up issuing me the refund for what happened. So for the person who might be a little bit emotional, how do you recommend having these conversations over text, over email? Should you send a voice note? Should you give yourself a cool down period like I did? What advice have you learned over the years? Yeah. So I have also been in similar situations and I was also angry. And I want to validate that when we feel betrayed in some way, or we feel like expectations weren't met or boundaries were overstepped, there is this like kind of defensive energy that comes up for us. I want you to validate that energy without interacting with any other humans. Validate it, go experience your feelings, 
do not text anybody. Do not call anybody. Do not email anybody. Don't go to this person when you're mad. Because the thing is, is that if you go to someone offensively upset, all they have that they can do is be defensive. So you guys can't ever meet a repair point because neither of you are going to be able to come at it from a repair point. So if I was emotional, which I, (laughs) (laughs) hello, it's me. (laughs) When I was a wedding photographer, like I had to deal with this, like where clients would overstep boundaries or when we were rescheduling all those weddings in 2020, 2021, we had some very emotional conversations. So what I had to do was come at it from a fact-based perspective. Here are the facts. Here are my feelings. And I just let the feelings column disappear and be on its own. And I can go deal with that on my own. My feelings have nothing to do with them. The facts have something to do with them. So if the facts have something to do with them, what I want you to do, let's just say like there's a breach of contract and you're like, peace out. Like I'm done. I don't want to repair this. I don't want to be in this situation anymore. I don't want to be with this person anymore. What I want you to do is go feel your feelings. I want you to write out a letter or type out an email. Do not send it to anybody. Just type it out. Type out all your emotions come back to it the next day. And the next day, I want you to go to the person that you are trying to have this conversation with and say, hey, there's something I need to talk to you about. It's kind of a big conversation. When can you make space to have a conversation and be present with me? And then when they answer and they're like, Tuesday at 1 p.m., blah, 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 say, perfect. I'm going to go ahead and let you know what's going on on my side of things so that we can come to this conversation and have a productive conversation. Of course, you can do a phone call if you want. You can do Voxer, whatever you want. I personally like written out because I feel more strongly like that I can express what I mean in written format, but I want you to breadcrumb it. Don't come at them with like, here's all the list of things of like how terrible like this is and like how I feel. Like I want you to breadcrumb it. Give yourself that pause and reflect time and get like your emotions process out and then ask yourself like, what do I need from this? Do I need to exit this relationship? Do I need a repair point? Do I need my own expectations need to change or how I'm showing up needs to change? Does the you know coach, do they need to change something? Like just asking yourself those questions will really kind of get you into a better mindset of actually getting what you want out of this. Because I can almost guarantee the thing that you want out of this is not being angry. Like, You can go be angry on your own, yeah. but you want something out of this repair point that you're trying to have with this person. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like our knee jerk reaction is just to validate that anger, like to validate that we've been wronged, like that such is the human experience (laughs) to just want to be seen in our feelings, but that's not productive. And so I love what you said right there of know what you want out of the conversation. Why are you bringing this forward? It's not just for them to be apologetic and just say, oh, yes, I did do something wrong. Like, of, of course, we like that validation, but it's it's more than that, right? You want to repair something or you want a resolution. Know what that is going in so that they can respond accordingly. Otherwise, you kind of just leave them guessing. Like sometimes people bring something forward and it's like, oh, what do you want? Like, do you want a refund? Do you want like a change in expect- like in the boundaries? Like you got to be clear if you want the resolution that you're actually looking for going into it. And if you're the coach on, on in this situation and like a client is coming to you with this and they don't tell you, they don't ask you for something. Don't start offering things. Ask them as the client, what are you hoping to get out of this? What's, what is your intention out of this? Do you want to leave the container? Do you want a refund? Do you want all these different things? You don't have to list these out, but you need to ask that person on the other side, what is their intention? So if you're the client on this side, I want you to say, 
I'm not looking for a repair point. I'm looking to exit the contract. And I'd like to have a productive conversation around that. I just have so many things to say about these things because I have like so much like communication skills and like I have so many different experiences with these things. And I love helping people with this stuff because I don't think this language is something that people like, you know, have uh, skill sets in always. No. And a lot of this is emotional intelligence. And a lot of what how we gain emotional intelligence is just by going through sticky situations and learning how to navigate them, seeing what we would do again. Like I've absolutely made mistakes with the best of intentions, communicating boundaries, changing things with clients. And that's a lot of times just how we learn and grow. And I think how we stay in integrity through all of it is just being open to receive feedback and being okay if like, oh, I didn't handle that the best. You can always repair that relationship. Like you don't have to be like, oh, I just have to stick with this now because I said it. You can always open up that conversation and be like, hey, you know what? This is the first time I've had to make a change like this in a container. I am only human. And so if in our last conversation about this, you didn't feel seen or you felt like it was an abrupt change, like I do apologize. I want this to be a safe space. You can be a human. Like you can make mistakes. And so I love that through all of this, you're always saying, make the person on the other side of the screen human and feel seen and have clear conversations because that's really what it comes down to, right? It's just being, it's that piece of transparency that we talked about before. People didn't hire me as their wedding photographer because I took the best photos in the world. People hired me because of the experience I created for people and the safety I created for people. I love that. And people will always remember how you make them feel. Literally, I have clients who like, they got married five years ago and they still talk to me about like, do you remember when you pulled me aside on wedding day and we did like that breathing exercise? And I'm like, no, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. See, it's like, it's in the details. It's in the little ways that you make people feel seen. That's so important and adds up to such a beautiful client experience. To put a bow on this conversation, it's so good and so juicy. And thank you for all of the insights that you have shared from your wisdom over the year. Are there any parting words or parting thoughts that you want to leave with us around this conversation of client experience, clear marketing, clear boundaries, or did we cover it all? And if we did, that's okay too. I think start with client experience. And when you're thinking about client experience, I want you to think about how can I make this feel so freaking good for myself and the person across the table from me? I want to see them win. And I get to win always. I'm going to make situations where I get to win, but I want to see them win. How can I create spaces for that? And you might see other people in the in the coaching industry who like they create like really big programs and really big things, but that's not necessarily like what you need to do to create your own client experience. I want you to think about client experience more from the human interaction and less from the like deliverables and like, oh, I give them Slack and I give them, you know, one-on-one calls and I give them like, here's all of the like, um, you know, features. I want you to think about it from like the human benefit side. Mm, What's the human benefit? Human to human, because that's the businesses that we are in. (laughs) Yeah. And those people will scream your names from the rooftops forever and ever and ever and refer you forever and ever and ever. And if you create those spaces, not only in your like client experience, but you also create those spaces in the masterminds that you're in, in the podcast you're in, all those different spaces, people are going to be able to feel that kind of energy and know that that's going to match within your client experience because they can feel that kind of vibe from you. 
Absolutely. And that just makes me want to say that word of mouth marketing is not dead, even in the online space. And just like you said, if you make people feel good in your in your world and your energy and your containers, they're going to tell other people about it. And you're going to watch your business grow faster and easier than you ever thought possible when you just make people feel good. So good, Aislinn. Thank you so much. I have one final question that I love to ask everybody I bring on the show because we know entrepreneurship is basically one big game of leading yourself and being a leader in your own field. What does leadership mean to you? Yeah. So leadership to me means having a vision and acting upon it without anything on the outside world telling you to act upon it. Just having that vision and listening to your own inner voice and your own inner compass and acting upon whatever that vision is. I think leadership also means going first going first in your life, going first in your business, going first in your conversations and being willing to show up so freaking unapologetically as yourself. Yes. I think that's leadership. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I love that. Beautiful answer, Aislinn. All right. Where can everybody find you if they are dying to connect with you after this and learn more from you and all of your greatness? What's the best place for them to do so? Yeah. So I basically live and breathe on Instagram. So (laughs) you guys can find me at Aislinn Eileen Coaching on Instagram. Come say hi in the DMs if you listen to this conversation or if you had any extra questions or clarifications. I would love to see you guys and meet you guys. Um, Yeah, mostly Instagram. Fantastic. We will link your Instagram in the show notes for everybody listening. Aislinn, thank you again for being here. This was such a beautiful conversation and it was my pleasure to have you on the show. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful being a guest and I'm so excited for everyone to listen to this podcast. It's going to be so, so good. Me too. It was a great one. Hey, before you go, I've got two quick things for you. Number one, I want to say thank you so much for being here. It truly means the world to me that you choose to spend your time here listening to these conversations, tuning in with me, soaking up all of this information and everything that we are going through together. I cannot express how much gratitude I have for you for being here on this journey with me. With that said, number two, the second thing I have for you is I want to make sure that since you're here, you have my phone number. Seriously, I have an inner circle daily text list where every single day, Monday through Friday, I send out a positive affirmation or a journal prompt or something I've been thinking about, or even an aha moment that has completely shifted my perspective that I want to share with you too. So you can share in on everything that I am working on to grow and continue evolving and continuing to be the best version of myself. I want to share those things with you. And the best place to do it is through this inner circle daily text list. So if you want to get on this list, if you want to receive these messages from me, and again, yes, it's really me. It's coming straight from my phone. What you need to do is text the word community to my number at 213-606-3853. Again, that's the word community to my number 213-606-3853. 3853. As soon as you send me over that tax, I will send you a message back with the quick details to officially register for this inner circle daily text list. And once you are all registered, we are ready to get to texting. The messages all go straight to my phone. I see all of the replies. I look at them. I send you messages back. So it is such a great way for us to connect and continue to work on our growth together.
So go ahead and shoot me that message ASAP so that we can get connected.